I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and... Uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. There's only one place to start, um, Connor, and that is the great Kilshima. Uh, beat Hollymount Caramore, who were unbackable favourites. Did a job on them, you could say, as well. 20 points to 112. Um, let's talk about this, Connor. Why won't we talk about this in a final now in two weeks' time? Can we do a whole show on this, Willie? Can we? <laughs> <laughs> I've, de- I've, de- I've detailed analysis of the game and everything. I know it was a uh, yeah, great win. Like um, Holly Moncarmore were deservedly uh, favourites. They're they're traditionally uh, they're a senior club. Really, they got uh, relegated to intermediate last year, and they're actually they were they have been in an intermediate all for all Ireland final. Uh, in recent years as well, beaten by um, St Mary's, Brian Sheehan's club in, in Kerry. So very strong, very strong club. So they were deservedly, um, I think they were something like three to one on to going into the game to win. But uh, we've kind of been, we've we've been gradually building since the start of the year, very slow start um, to the group stage. We drew our first two games and then we uh, we kind of have caught fire a little bit since then. So uh, I'm hoping I'm not jinxing it, but we've kind of been getting better as we go along. So yeah, just uh, just delighted to be into a final. We scored twenty points and we had nine different scorers. So if you can't really complain really about that against the favourite, so happy Jesus. out. Yeah, it's not going. Did you? Were you one of the scorers out of nine? <laughs> I was not. I was not. <laughs> at the very end, I at the very end, I got up the pitch and I was close enough to. Uh, I was close enough to the goals, but my 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 calves both gave way on me. I got cramp in the two of them. Uh, so I just hand passed off. Now a score came out of it, thank God. But as soon as I gave the hand pass, I I put the signal over to the manager to take me off. So that was just into injury time. So right, well that's all did. Did, did you yeah. get Eris, Did you get any sort of a slap at Darren Cohen? Like I mean, this is intercounty, one of the best point kickers at intercounty level in the game, and he's playing intermediate. To be honest, I, I didn't need to get a slap at him, Willie, because our fullback, uh, I'll, I'll I'll give him a, I'll give him a mention here, Donovan Cosgrove, um, former Mayo underage. 
uh, full back as well, performed Mayo underage player as well, did really well in them, got man the match and actually got up uh, got up at the end of the game to, to hand pass a point over the bar to kind of seal the Zagar insurance point at the end as well. So he had a massive game. So yeah, I'd, Darren Cohen had been on fire uh, coming into the game. I think he'd scored five five twenty seven in four games. Like Darren Cohen at that level, he's good enough at senior. So intermediate, he's he's quite strong. So he still scored. To be fair, to Darren, he still scored about one four, uh, one five. He got a penalty as well, but uh, but we managed maybe to, to to keep a lid on him compared to what he had done in the other game. So yeah. yeah, yeah, he only got he only got two points from play. You were telling me before the show, so stop getting so uh, stop trying to be so nice here. Dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll, we'll stick with Mayo here while we're while we're on a roll, but we won't go to town on it because not more. She's not more convincing winners against Ballina. Like I mean, led this the whole way through, and it, it wasn't really as much of a contest as everybody would have expected. And I suppose when two teams are evenly matched. Ballina did a little bit of trash talking before the last one, scraped over the line with a strong finish. Like it really, it was probably set up for a Knockmore win. Yeah, the scoreline, to be honest with you, like Knockmore won by four points. The scoreline doesn't really do uh, Knockmore justice. And and to be perfectly honest, it was a repeat really of uh, the pattern of the game in the group stages that uh, the Knockmore that Knockmore lost. And in that game, Knockmore had been the better team for I'd say fifty five minutes. Park O'Hara, to be fair to him, had a very strong finish to that game. I think Balna got over the line by two points, but Knockmore had been the better team. So this at uh, this uh, in this repeat game in McHale Park, Knockmore just built up a better lead and never let Balna back into it. And the only to, the only fear I had for Knockmore was when I think it was in the might have been just before the water break in the second half, and the keeper Colin Reap he had his short kick out intercepted, and had the the Balna uh, forward that. It, that intercepted the ball had he tried to develop it further he would have had a three-on-one with the keeper but instead he tried to lob him straight away and it didn't right. even go over the bar it went wide and like to be honest that just kind of summed up Balna's day really and at that point you knew that uh, that they weren't going to get back into it but but listen don't um don't let that take away from Knockmore they were brilliant against Palantober and brilliant again uh yesterday like um Ray Dempsey's the manager he's he's a son playing that can play him very well and they've a load of 18 19 20 year olds really strong underage system in Knockmore so so that's bearing fruit. So I know like Brafey will, I haven't checked the odds. I'd say Brafey might um, be going in his favourites given their path to the final. But I think, having seen them in the last two games, that uh, Knockmore are going to take a serious stop. Yeah, well, in fairness, Knockmore have just beaten Ballantubber and Ballinas. So it's not like yeah. they got an easy one. I was reading in the match report about this one that Kevin McLaughlin wore number eight and he kind of played at centre half back in a free role. And I was just thinking to myself, this is a message to any club manager out there. Never let an intercounty player have a free roll, no matter what situation ever arises. Man mark them, double mark them if you want. Do not ever allow an intercounty player wrangle a free roll for himself, no matter what way it works out. And I'm so like I'm very surprised that Balana allowed that to happen because it's not as if they're short of people that that could have marked um that could have marked uh, Kevin McLaughlin. But the first half, Willie, he was absolutely outstanding. Um like everybody's familiar with Kevin McLaughlin, um, his ability to kind of break tackles. Uh, around the midfield, around the half forward line, whatever. And he just, the memorable side of the first half was just Kevin McLaughlin driving through the middle, past the sea of Ballina bodies trying to chase him. And I think he kicked three points in the first half. Wow. Uh, absolutely outstanding. And then he, I don't know that he kicked any in the second half, but he was really crucially involved in everything Knockmore did well. So, um, like Brafey, you would imagine, having seen, no one Kevin McLaughlin anyway, and having seen the damage that he did to Ballina yesterday will, you know, take measures to try and prevent that. And probably- oh, they'll have to, yeah, they'll have to. Like, it's an old Armagh tactic back in the day of Kieran McGinney. So they used to bring, they used to, Tony McEntee used to wear number 15 on his back. 
and Tony would come back and play centre half back and McGeaney would be the free man on the half back line and his distribution was great you know his organisation his leadership and it's like that's at inter-county level, right? So the other team will have a free man on the other side. It's up to them to do whatever to do with it. But to allow, um, I presume, not more or bringing a forward into midfield and then allowing, you know, Kevin McLaughlin, just don't let that happen. Don't let it happen. It's Kevin McLaughlin. Like, I mean, coming with his pace coming onto the play there in a free role is madness. And it's actually, wasn't it Stephen Rutchford when he took over first, tried to develop that role for, for Kevin McLaughlin by playing him as a sweeper? That's right, and, and I suppose like, but the way that Knockmore played yesterday was more, well, not that they didn't serve their full forward line with 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 kick passes, whatever. But when when Mayo tried that with Stephen Rothbard, it, it didn't quite work at the start. Anyway, it didn't. Kevin no. had been used to doing his best work at that level at a, around half forward and kind of, as I said, servicing the full forward line with 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 the good kick passes that he's capable of. But I suppose at that level, like Intercounty is a step above at that level, Kevin McLaughlin's going to run riot. And he did yesterday. And to be fair, uh, I mentioned Ray Dempsey there and his son, um, Connell Dempsey. I think he's only 18 or 19. But the way Knockmore plays, they, without being ultra defensive, they get a lot of men behind the ball. And so it wasn't only Kevin McLaughlin that was running from deep. I thought Connell Dempsey uh, did, that, did that very well as well. And to be honest, not just because he's a high-profile father, but the role he plays kind of reminds me of what Mark McHugh used to do for Donegal in... Um, 2012, back when they won the All-Ireland that time. So he has the energy in the legs to kind of be all over the pitch, starting attacks from deep and then getting on the end of uh, getting, getting on the end attacks at the other end of the pitch. So it's not just... McLaughlin was definitely the driving force, but it wasn't just him. But uh, but as well as that, Willie, they have, a, they have a very deadly inside forward line as well. So the threats from all over the pitch. So again, like if, if I had to call it now, I'd probably say knock more over Brafie. It'd be very tight, but... Uh, I'd probably give them the nod. Right. Briefly, obviously, have never won it. Uh, Knockmore, obviously, one of the big traditional teams that won an All-Ireland club. But it's 23 years since they've won it. So, listen, somebody, somebody's going to kind of... It's a bit more of a novel pairing. I know Briefy Briefy and Knockmore have been in the finals recently, but not against each other. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's Casabar Mitchell's kind of have been beaten Briefy anyways, I'm pretty sure. They bullied Westport to get into the mix. Colin Flynn um, scored seven points, three from play. He's from Longford. He's, how long is he with them? I didn't realise he was from Longford. I'm not sure how long he's with them, uh, Willie, to be honest. Like, I'd, I'd be very honest. I only started taking notice of him this year. Um, he's, the big long, he's the big long lad, is he? The big long fella who's got a nice... Very, yeah, very accurate, very accurate yeah. guy in the full forward line. So, like, um, he's... Uh, like he's not going to make a devastating impact on general play, but if, no. you, get him, if you get him on he's the end, he's, exactly, he's accurate both from play and from free. So he scored seven points at the weekend. But Wooly, to be honest, that was the real that was the difference between Brafey and Westport. You mentioned Brafey bullying Westport then, but like the one thing, look, Brave, Westport were incredibly wasteful. They only won, they only lost by two points in the end, and especially in the first half, they kicked wide after wide after wide. And like I, I had thought that Westport were going to go all the way this year. I'd seen them a couple of times. They were very impressive. But the one failing they have, they have in their locker, is that sometimes they're not clinical enough. And like it didn't really come, it didn't really come back to haunt them this year until they had to play Brave, until they met a really seasoned team in Brafey. And Brafey were then experienced enough to, to to see it out. But definitely Westport will have huge regrets about the way they the way the first half went in particular. Nice, we don't know too much about this game because uh, Mayo streaming crashed. So obviously nobody can see the match and then you're watching it on your stream. And what did you lose? Did you lose a full second half of it? Yeah. So like there was a free, there was a free four minutes into the second half. So basically nobody got to see whether that went over the bar. That was the running joke on Twitter because anytime <laughs> you want to refresh your page, uh, it just went back to the free again. So it got stuck in midair. 
So I'd say a lot of people like myself instantly just switched to um, live Midwest commentary of the game, which to be fair was 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 very entertaining. But uh, just for just on Mayo GA, uh, Willie, they, um, I'm, I I understand that during the week because of difficulties that they've had previously, they hired a new uh, company to to provide the the streaming service for the weekend. Um, so, but that obviously went uh, that obviously went uh, a little bit tits up at the weekend, I'm afraid. But so from four minutes on until nobody saw from four minutes on to the end of the game. Uh, and I don't because it had been on G- Mayo GATV. I don't think there was any alternative, um, you know, streaming the game on any of the club Facebook pages or anything like that. Ah, yeah, so, but they're they're usually a waste of time. Those Facebook ones. Yeah, that's that's yeah. really that de- that's desperation. If you're looking for a stream on Facebook, you're desperate. You're you're really you've you've you have kind of ec- exercised all other options, and there's nothing going on, and you're desperately putting something into into Facebook to try and get the try and get the, the stream. Ballyhale Shamrocks were on TV yesterday. Very disappointed with this one in that this game was literally over after eight minutes. What's the point in continuing? Blow it up, ref. Four goals um, in the first eight minutes. Like, I mean, here's the thing again with intercounty players. Colin Fennelly, like everybody knows he's unstoppable um, at club level. He's almost unstoppable at times at intercounty level, depending on the fullback from the other team, whether they can manage him uh, physically or not like he's a physical specimen and you have Clara just leaving him one-on-one inside like you know and then you have TJ Reid and you have him running off Colin Fenley and you have him just being marked or given a bit more space and like I just don't get it like if you look at Killadangan they hammer drum an inch they they put a sweeper this fella Decky McGrath in front in front of Seamus Callanan and like I just can't get it remember Boris Ali last year in the All-Ireland Final against Ballyhill at least they had a sweeper dropping back in front mm-hmm. of Colin Fenley the idea that a club manager would think a, that a, a, a that a player can handle Colin Fennelly. Like he set up three of the four goals in the first, uh, in the first eight minutes. Okay. Like that, that's game over. And you're not getting somebody back in and around this fella. Like, I mean, it makes no sense to me. I can only imagine that the, the reason in Woolley was that, you know, uh, Bally Hale have also Owen Reid, TJ Reid, Owen Cody. They, 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 the, the fear might be that they've so many players capable of doing damage that if you take, you know, that if you take your focus solely on Colin Fennelly, that you're, that you're asking for trouble. But it's just like, I mean, if you were to put a sweeper there as well with Colin Fenley, it's not. It would be a different sweeper, I would say, to to what you might do for Shami Callan for whatever for for Drummond Inch. And that, like, the 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 damage that Colin Fenley was was doing was when ball was like lumped right in on him. So, like, if you were to put a sweeper there, literally, but right in front of him, not to necessarily cut out the pass, but to try and if, even if he does win the ball, which he will do in a lot of cases because he's so physically strong, that there's not that it's not just one defender trying to kind of muscle him out of the way. There's two of them there because. You saw from the first goal yesterday, I felt so sorry for um, for the Clara defender because he was trying his damnedest, but Colin Fenley was just swatting him aside like a fly. He's so strong. Yeah. Using yeah. his back, trying to muscle him out of the way. And then just that, that delightful little dink flick up for, I think it was Owen Cody to, to put in the first goal. But at that le- at that level, Colin Fenley is just, uh, he's a one-man wrecking ball, really. He definitely is. A lovely little soccer chip up, all right, for that first goal. TJ Reid, very, very questionable amount of steps for his goal. It's just he finished it so well. I'm sure the referee was kind of thinking, ah, look, that's that's a beautiful finish. We'll leave that one uh, stand. Did you, did you see uh, Brian Cody and DJ Carey up in the stand? Like, I mean, I saw Anthony Cunningham. Um, the camera went to him in Dr. Hyde Park. How are these managers? Like, I mean, there is nobody. Are they Are they getting in? by saying they're doing some local radio work or something. I presume there's some way of getting them in there. But, like, I mean, if there's either nobody at these games or there's nobody at these games. Yeah, and it, it's especially relevant when, like, you, when you consider that, like, there's there's members of extended panels that, that, that probably aren't getting to games now. Like, you know, it's not as if allowances are being made for these guys. I mean, like, the, like, clubs can only tag a panel of 24 
and I think clubs are limited to 40 people. So in a lot of those, a lot of cases, you know, there's players that have trained all year and aren't getting in, whereas the manager's getting in. I can only assume that there's some special dispensation, Woolly, whether it's media coverage or what. Like I know uh, James Horn and Kieran McDonald have been at most of the games in Mayo. Uh, James Horn has been, you know, given interviews to Mayo GA TV. That might have kind of sealed his That's path. That's it, yeah. That's it. it. But, uh, but yeah, I'd like, I, I, I don't know. It, like you could do with some clarification on that because people are, you know, some people that have been involved with these clubs all year are going to get pissed off that they can't, they can't get into these games and the, the county managers seem to have special treatment that he can get in instead. Well, that's it. Like, I mean, you mentioned that Selbridge manager, David Clare, he was given out about this at the weekend. He said, I had to tell four of my squad they couldn't come here today. And he was telling this on Sunday Sport. Just terrible stuff. And there's some of the worst phone calls I made. Connor Doyle, I'll name check, name check him, got his cruciate done. And I had to ring him to tell him, no, you can't come, Connor. Like, I mean, if Jack O'Connor was in watching those games and four of the squad weren't, like, I mean, I don't... Like, let's call a spade a spade. These lads are all training together. Let the two squads in. And if it's 112 or 13, big bloody deal. Like, I mean, yeah. Christ, we're talking about not letting supporters in. Come on. Don't don't not allow some bloody panel members not in. I, there is no way I would stick to that. No, absolutely. You shouldn't have to, Willie. No, no, listen, we, we, we can get into it. We've, been, we've, we've talked enough about the crowds not being allowed into games and how much of a shame that is. But, like, for players that have literally... For players that have literally trained all year and been involved with the team all year. And to be honest, there might be players in some cases that would have been, it would have been a tight call as to whether they made the 24 or not. And then, you know, the, the 24 that actually tog in the day and some of them mightn't be able to come in. It's absolutely not fair. And it just, like it drove home to me at the weekend, um, you know, that we, we played in McHale Park and just the, the size and the expanse of the stadium. And then once the game is over, it's just... Are you you just you're just like a stadium that can hold like you know thirty thousand people and there's you know there's maybe nine of your teammates allowed in the the of the extended panel allowed in the stand. It's just do, do you have to do you have to when your game is over do you have to get the hell out of there for the next game to start or else all your squad will be there the other team in the intermediate squad will be there and then the two senior squads that'll put it over a hundred. So what we were told so we had to tag out in one section of the stand. And then before the game started, we had to move to another section of the sand. And then when the game was over, I think Brafey, who uh, Brafey, who were on after us, had gone to the section we were in at first. And then we had moved to the top of the, top of the sand out of their way. But like once the game is over, you're on the pitch for maybe oh, two or three minutes. Is like there, there, there's not a warm down. It's not as if you're told to get off, but it's just you just instantly go to the like it's so so kind of anticlimactic. There was a couple of our officials there, but like. You know, you celebrate with your with your teammates on the pitch, and that's it. And you know, ten minutes later, and you're in the car because you're not. You don't even go to the dressing room afterwards. It's just literally put your clothes on. It's just, uh, and, and you know, you're heading for home. Then it just really kind of. I know this has been ongoing for a long time, and like we've been talking about it for a long time. But it was only when I was involved myself that I really kind of felt how anticlimactic it could be there there at the weekend. You know, and like feeling sorry for. I don't know what this what, what the case is in in Celebrates. Like we. I suppose our extended panel would would stretch to about 30, 35, and we always make sure that they can get in. They're part of our 40. But maybe there's there's clubs with bigger panels, obviously, that might have more than that training. And there's lads going to miss out every week, and that's it really is a shame. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, I suppose if Selbridge have, have, are allowed 40 and he's only allowing 24, that means there's 16 extra people coming in. So maybe the Selbridge manager, David Clare, needs to kind of pick and choose what extra people he's bringing in rather than his players. Is that another angle to look at, to look at that? I see. I don't know what the, what the case is in. I don't know. Is there different, different interpretations? I was like speaking to uh, one of the lads in the office, Niall, actually, who won uh, the Tipperary Senior B semi-final at the weekend. 
uh, in Temple Stadium and he said that every player got one ticket uh, so they could give to a family member to go in. Really? Uh, so, yeah, so I'm not sure what the situation is between different counties. When I saw that, that some of the players in Celebridge had to miss out, I wonder why, because, well, our 40 has to include um, our management team and a couple of officials. So the way it works out for us is that, like, our club chairman and... Uh, Good luck to the club chairman. I wouldn't entertain him. I wouldn't have him on the list at all. Any of those club officials, good luck. Watch it right. on the stream. Watch it on the stream at home. Well, yeah, yeah. What, practical, what practical purpose has he got at the match that, that day? None. They walk around yeah. like they're important on match day. I remember when we used to go to Croke Park with Leash, Leinster final, you'd have three or four of them sitting on the bloody team bus, all decked out like they're important. And they've no role on the day other than they're the officials. Like, I mean, I wouldn't have any, any of them anywhere near a team. Well, when you compare it to the lads that have been training all year, you know, and they're missing yeah. that, that, that seems unfair. I suppose in our case is that like it works out nicely that all of our extended panel is catered for, all our management is catered for, and then the last two or three places are made up of club officials. That's our 40. So, but that's, as I said, that's that seems to be the case in Mayo. Um, I don't know what the case is. I don't know what the case is otherwise. But uh, interesting as you say, Willie, just before the game, the last day, I don't know if we're going to get to like supporters again, but we were we were warming up in the back pitch in in McHale Park on Saturday, and it it the the back pitch extends on to David House in Castlebar, and just as we were warming up, some guy slipped under the fence and then just stood about ten yards away from us while we were you know warming up and doing our stretches. So there was there was stewards kind of dotted all around McHale Park to stop people, you know, to stop right. people trying to get in different entrances. So I don't know was his was well, his story trying to. Side yeah. up and pretend he was part of our management team and not get noticed. Ah, excellent. I, I really I really have time for that. There was a picture there of, of two supporters in McHale Park being exc- escorted out. I don't know how they got in. Maybe it was the same tactics of him. I actually saw pictures from Dr. Hyde Park. These lads broke no rules. They were pulling up vans uh, beside the wall and standing on the top of the van. I saw another ladder put up against the... Ra- he, had, he had a ladder from the graveyard. Do you know the graveyard in front yeah, of uh, Dr. Hyde? He had, a, he had a ladder up against the wall at the end of that. Like, I mean, all this stuff is going on. And look, it's, it's just a little bit... Um, it's, look, it's a bit disappointing. And I'm sure it'll, it'll, it'll have changed the next time. Interesting, some managers... I saw some quotes from Willie Maher, who's the Kula manager. He's, they're kind of using... It has motivation for not having supporters there. He was talking about Con O'Callaghan being a super player. He says he has brothers playing, he has cousins playing. It's his family, his community. And we spoke about it before the game, the importance of hurling to the Kula community today, not being able to go to matches. Um, so maybe managers, look, you know, managers are just mad to mad to find some, some something different, I suppose, to say the thing. So then instead, you can shout about doing it for your teammates and do it for the people who couldn't even get into the match today. <laughs> yeah, I'd be lying if I said that that hasn't been used in motivation. <laughs> oh, so critical of Willie Maher and uh, going to the ins and outs of it. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You, you've relations who've, who've sweat blood and tears for this club <laughs> and they can't even get in. Let's do it for them today and make them happy. Actually, you know how these uh, speeches, buddy. Go. Oh, funnily enough, uh, Tullerone, we were, we were feeling bad for Tullerone uh, last week that they were in a relegation semi. They won it anyway. They beat Danesford by one nineteen to one twelve. So Tullerone um are going to be playing senior um next year. Uh Roar Innes Teog, I get the pronunciation right, they beat Greg Bally Callan after extra time. So they're safe as well. Um so it's Danesford against Greg Bally Callan who are in the relegation match. There are two one sided semi finals in Tipperary. Killadangan hammered Drum and Inch. Obviously, Drummond Inch uh, beat Boris Ali. That was a local derby. They obviously raised their game for that huge game and then weren't able to repeat it. Kiladangan obviously 
were beaten in last year's final. Their manager, Brian Lawler, says we're a full year. We're talking about motivation um, here, Connor. So they're not used. Brian Lawler might be using supporters as a motivation, but he's not uh, as outward about it because his main motivation is, he said, we're a full year living with last year. It was a great victory for Boris Ali, but we just weren't happy with our performance on the day. So it was a big motivating factor for us all year, and we wanted to get back there. So they are back there. Um, you know, like, I mean, using the motivation from the previous year, you often see it. You know, it's the team mm. that wins it, switches off the following year. The team that loses it, you know, keeps kind of going. Yeah, but it's it's strange. Like, it, like I'd normally, you know, it, it's understandable motivation, to be honest. But I just wonder, did this, you know, did the, did the pandemic not make a, you know, make an impact in saying that it's last the whole year? Did they not take a break from worrying about what happened last year for while they were stopped training for four months? And maybe then, once they started again, they could start picturing um, what happened against Paris first Lee last year and use it to spur them to success. But, well, these, all these motiva- motivational tactics sound great when they work. And in these cases, they're they're obviously working for, for, for these lads as well. Yeah, they definitely are. So a lot more Catalani are going to play them in the final. They hammered uh, Nina on Saturday and their star forward, John McGrath. He joins us on the line now. John, how's it going? Oh, Colin, how are you? Good, good. Come here, you look like a, you look like a team that means business this year in both football and hurling. Um, yeah, I suppose there in, in the last couple of weeks, it's, um, the championships have progressed a lot and we're, we find ourselves at the business end now. Um, so we're we're moving really well, but I think just we're probably used to playing um, games every week, and the the format this year has has come out that way, and it's it's probably suiting us. It's um it's something we're used to and really enjoying at the moment. Yeah, you had two um, extra time losses in both the hurling and the football last year. One in a semi final, and another in a preliminary quarter final. Like I mean, I don't know if you used that motivation from last year this year. Um, ah, yeah, certainly. I suppose it's um, you know, it's a, it's a tough way to exit the championship. Um, you know, when when you're at the latter stages and been beaten in in extra time is tough. So, you know, you do. It's in the back of your mind, I suppose, especially when Kilnaughty knocked us out last year in extra time, and we we played him a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, it's it's not something you overly dwell on, but um, it's something that would be in the back of your mind, and it would it would give you extra motivation. Um when you come up against them teams again and trying to progress in, in the competitions. Yeah. Were you expecting uh, Saturday to be that one-sided, uh, John? Like, I mean, it ended up being pretty one-sided. I know Barry Heffernan went off and Jake Morris got red-carded, but, like, the game was over pretty much at, at, at that stage anyway. Um, yeah, look, I suppose we wouldn't have, been, have expected it to turn out like that, um, especially watching Nina the previous week. They, they done, I suppose, to Sarsfield, what, what we did... Um, to them and you know it's it's something that it can it can happen there we just we started really well and we were we were winning battles all over the field and um look i suppose they were down Hugh maloney at the start and like you said the couple of boys went off that that doesn't help either i suppose at at club level if if you are missing a couple of guys um it can make it very tough but um no, look, I suppose we're just happy to be where we are. It's it's a while since we've we've been there, um, so we're just really looking forward to that now. Yeah, so like uh, Saturday was your eighth weekend in a row, and you have Mile Rovers next week, which will be your ninth. And you mentioned you got a good start. Usually, you would think when you're on the road every week, you might have to play your way into games. Like, how are you getting good starts when, you know, you'd imagine you're the ones that should be a bit sl- more sluggish? Um, yeah, it's a funny one, I suppose, uh, 
there's probably it's probably been a an issue for us at times where people had said that we'd we start slow and um it's near the end of the game we're trying to get back into it. But um yeah, look I I don't think there's any major secret. We're um we're just we're just really enjoying playing the games and um I think it helps us to be playing every week as well. It's I don't know, I find it easier to manage. Like we, we don't have any weight and you're just doing what you're you're training for. Like you just want to be playing games like and uh yeah. you know, we just we just go out and get get stuck in from the off and um you know, just try and work as hard as we can and get onto as much ball as possible. We we were talking to Simon Donahue on the show here after um, Chandeliers won the hurling, and we know Wexford do a split season where they run off the hurling first and then the football. And he thinks that's the better way to go. Have you any opinion on that? I know you in Tipperary obviously alternate weekend after weekend hurling and football. Yeah, I think um, you know it's probably something that might have um, suited us other years because, to be honest, up until this year it's been a bit of a disaster at times we've ended up playing a couple of midweek games and I think that's that's been the biggest killer for us um, you know if you have to play we could be playing hurling on, on Sunday next thing you might have to play football during the week because just purely because it's hard to get the championship finished out the, the yeah. way the structure was um, but I suppose the way it is now where you know that you're only going to be playing every weekend is is perfect. Like it's it's the midweek ones are a killer. Um, but look, I suppose when there is a lot a lot of teams play, I know there's probably a lot of the north teams don't play a huge amount of football. But the rest of the county, um, at some level, all clubs would have teams playing hurling and football. So you know, you've, most players are playing something every week, and so you know, it's nice. I I like mixing it up. I like like I think it's great that we're going playing football. Um, this coming weekend now it it just brings a freshness when we go over train and it's it's something different like and um, right uh, it's, it's it's enjoyable it's it's nice to look forward to like well I heard you, your uncle's obviously your manager which is incredible he's manager for both the senior hurling and the senior football so this is I think this must be unique to uh, Lockmore Castellani is it um, yeah I'm not sure how other clubs work it but I know now it was probably a little bit before my time playing senior with Lockmore but there was a stage where um, different management were over the hurling and the football and it just didn't it just didn't work it was decided in the club um, like it could be back maybe 15 years ago or around that stage that there had to be a link between between both um, both teams because you know if you're if you have a football, you know, when you're playing it so close together in the hurling football, each manager is going to want as much time as they can, whereas if it's the same fella yeah. um, or the same couple of guys involved in both teams, it makes it a lot easier and there's no there's no arguments and, you know, it just, that kind of thing just takes away from it and brings the morale down maybe a small bit. So um, from that point of view, it's, it's terrific the way we've it set up at the minute. Yeah, it's definitely a good one. And I was reading that sometimes you might start training with hurling and finish up on football. Now, you're probably not doing that now with the, the matches coming up, you know, thick and fast. You're probably just uniquely one one code. But earlier in the year, you mix up a bit of both, a bit of both in the same session. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you might do warm-up maybe with a couple of hurling drills and, and then go into a bit of football. Um, and, <laughs> oh, I... It's funny, I suppose. There's times there you'd be kind of wondering what 
whether you need to bring the hurdies over or what gear you're supposed to bring training. But um, no, I think we're just so used to it. Like we're, you know, we're doing it for so long now. Um, and like I said, it's just that something a bit different and um, it keeps it keeps everything nice and fresh and everyone really interested. Yeah, well, you're lucky in that nearly two, the two panels are almost identical barring the two goalkeepers. Yeah, pretty much. Like out of, I think we used, I think we used eighteen in the hurling the other day, um, and I'd say there's probably maybe three three players to add to that for the football. So you're kind of working off about the same, roughly the same twenty guys um, for both teams. Like so, it is it is unique, I suppose, that you're not um, you're not leaving guys out if you're. If you're going football training, it's the same lads are doing it all the all the time. So um, yeah, it helps that way that there is a huge crossover. And what are the three lads that are uniquely football doing in a week leading up to a hurling match? Well, it's not even that. Sorry, I probably didn't get that across the best. No, it's not that they're uniquely football, but they're um, they're still playing on the junior hurling team. Like so, it's, ah um, right. Yeah, so it's it's not that they're it's not that they don't have anything to play for a train. Our our juniors had a good win in the in the mid quarter final the other day as well. Um so like we've put numbers in the field at the minute and like there's probably oh, there could be thirty five to forty lads um over at training like which is terrific numbers, like it's the best we've had in a long time. Yeah, geez, it's incredible. And you're you're like I mean, for two teams to be one in a county final, the other in a semi-final. Like, I mean, to be working off a, a, a base of 20 players, like, I mean, it's incredible, really. And playing every every single week, I suppose an injury or two, you know, would be a disaster for you altogether. Yeah, that's that's what I was kind of getting at, I suppose, with the, the absence of the midweek games um, yeah. have been a huge help to us because, you know, you can, you can manage playing um, a game every weekend, but... If you have any bit of a knock, if we have to play a midweek game, you're you're effectively ruled out for for the weekend. Then, like, which is, you know, it's it's very tough because like said about Nina there, if you're missing two, three players, like it, it does get very tough at club level. Um, when you're getting to the latter stages playing quality teams. Yeah, so I suppose, like, I mean, these new GPA proposals that will end the intercounty season the end of July, and then you have August. Um, straight through to December for the club. Like, I mean, I presume you'd be um, in favour of that, considering that would do away with those midweek matches. You know, you'd be playing every weekend then. Oh, definitely. Like, it's. I think it'd be a, a brilliant idea, and it just it gives so much certainty to everyone um, that you can you can plan other things, and you know, lads lads have other things they like to do in their life as well, and you're not you're not guessing when am I going to be playing or can I go do this or that? Like it just, it'll give everyone certainty. And I think we see it in the last uh, couple of weeks and months there. Um, it's, it's certainly the way forward. I think everyone is really, really pleased with um, the way the championships are being run at the minute. And it seems to be all over the country. It seems to be um, the way forward. Yeah. And I suppose uh, like uh, another Part of that is the intercounty season would be shortened that little bit where we know how much of a commitment that is. It would still be the same commitment, but just not for the same length of time. Yeah, like it's, it is a huge commitment. And um, I suppose like depending on your stage of life, then if you um, have demanding jobs and things outside of that, like it's 
it, it is that extra extra harder. Um, so like, if any way you can shorten the season, um, and it's not about cramming it either. Like, there's still there's still adequate time to to play all the competitions, and you know you, you get your bit of rest as well. Then um, at the end of the year, there there's a bit of a bit of leeway there where there's time lads can go and do other things outside of the GA, which is super as well. Yeah, exactly. Come here. So, what's your routine now for this week? So, you played the match on Saturday. Um, I presume yesterday you did a bit of recovery. When are you back training with the footballers now, and how does that crank up for the Mile Rovers game? Um, yeah, so we're we're going uh, we're going training tomorrow night now, Tuesday, and we'll have a light a light kick around again the evening. Um, it's at a stage where overdoing it. Um, We'll have a, a nice lively session out tomorrow night where you can't just um sleepwalk through the week either, I suppose. You have to yeah, you, you can't um, take it too easy like so. Um no, we're we're um well we're well set now with um we've um Martin Brennan, he's actually he's um from Lockmore as well. He's involved with the defence forces, he's um our S and C this year, he's been a huge help, he's been terrific in Anything lads need, so he's um he's really really on the ball and he's done work wonders with us. Right, okay, so lad, like I mean, I suppose if you're a little bit tight, you know, you you wouldn't be doing too much tomorrow night. Um, I wouldn't say that. No, like we won't be we won't be going too handy. Like every whether it's the Tuesday or the Wednesday, we usually have a good um lively hour session. Um, and then the later on in the week it might be a bit lighter. Um, but like I said, I think the worst thing you can do is um, only barely train all week. You end up you're you're sluggish, you're lethargic. It's just um, I don't think it's a great way to be going into a game at the weekend. Um, and maybe like you were saying with the start to our games, maybe maybe that's something that's helping too. Yeah, no, it does make sense. It does. Come here, how's the McGrath family dealing with the no supporters thing? They're, your uncle's the manager. There are three brothers. There's a whole lot of McGraths on the team. I presume you're you're related as well. Um, like I mean, I'm sure your extended family are going off their heads, are they? Um, yeah, my my mother does be here at home. Um, oh God, to be a hundred and one questions when you come home. I suppose <laughs> she, she used to be there and she she'd see it all, but um. No, the streaming is great, but it is uh it is um a loss, I suppose, for people not to be able to, to get to the games. Like there's our parish here, um, in Lockmore and Castellani, like it's it's the main thing in the parish, like everyone follows and supports us. Um and you know, we'd always have good crowds going to all the games where it's the hurling or the football and um ah, it is a fair loss, like people are People are mad to be able to get back on, but um, at least the club have actually got a bit of a streaming service up going, and the Tip GA have have done pretty well um, with their services so far. So it helps in that regard. But um, yeah, I'm thankful I'm playing anyway, and not trying to be looking over <laughs> a wall or to a, a gate or anything like that. Yeah, I was just thinking though, in Semple Stadium, there's no easy kind of cheating over a wall. It's all too high, isn't it? Yeah, there's there's no hope of getting in there now. Whether <laughs> out in out in Borland now, whatever there'll be people probably trying to look through the gates and stuff. But um, I know luxury like it's it is tough on people. Like there's there's people like that give their lives to it, and you know they're maybe not able to to see games and that now. And it's it is tough, but um, 
look it's the way it is and I suppose once people follow the the rules and the guidelines hopefully it will be will be back and have crowds at games again soon yeah the sooner the better Come here, I suppose inter-county is the furthest thing for your mind is it or is it, is it still at the back of your mind it's knockout it's not the easiest championship to defend your title yeah it's tough I suppose you've um, you do have your your one chance I suppose um, in the hurling which is uh, you know it's like anyone can have a bad day and to have that one that one um, chance if it does happen is great but um, yeah look hopefully I'll have uh, another couple of weeks with the club before to uh, head back in there um, but yeah look it's great to be able to look forward to that in another another couple of weeks as well um, and it would be it'd be nice to retain it but we'll worry about that in another couple of weeks time Will you? Will, I don't know. Traditionally, you don't have the greatest record at retaining them, do you? Um, no, not in my lifetime, anyway. Um, <laughs> or mine. Or mine. I think you'd have to go back for to around the sixties or that. But um, look, I suppose that doesn't have any real bearing on it. This of all years, this is completely new to everyone. Um, championship is later on in the year. Whether it be the weather, might have a. Uh, a big factor to play in what yeah. kind of games we're going to see, but um, now look, I think I think the way it is, everyone is just going to be so delighted to be back and playing. Um, I think back to back is probably out of our heads, and it's just about trying to win this one, um, and and we'll see how we go in a couple of weeks. Yeah, exactly. Well, before that, best of luck in your semi final and your final, John. Thanks very much for taking the call. No problem. Thanks very much. Okay, great stuff from John there. Like, I mean, Connor, Frankie McGrath, manager of the senior hurlers and the senior footballers, what a great idea, what a lot for him to take on. But finally, the politics in Lockmore Castellani are, are, are no doubt well reduced. Well, he can't argue with himself over players, so I suppose they are completely, completely done away with. I thought you were going to repeat the famous uh, Jimmy Sloyne line uh, there, Willie, and say the politics in Lockmore Castellani make me sick. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, dare I ask, like, uh, dare I ask, does, would uh, would he have any, you know, leaning towards hurling or football or is he 50-50 down the middle, which I'm sure he is, and uh, seems to be working for, for Lockmore Castellani. But, like, that's that must be very refreshing that, like, when you have um, when you have a manager that's in charge of both, that at least, you know, the players on both sides are... They know, or that at least they should be assured that like there's no there's no preferential preferential treatment either. But like, good luck to him to to be able to take on take on both. He must be a busy man. Yeah, he definitely is. So Conal Keeney, they obviously that was their eighth game um, in eight weeks. Conal Keeney um, is also on a kind of a role of a game every week between the footballers and the hurlers because Ballyboden Saint Enda's they beat Nafina. Nafina were three up. Um, and Bally Bowden scored 1-7 to their point to beat them by six points um, in the end. They got a late goal from a penalty from Paul Ryan. It wasn't as, uh, it wasn't probably a six-point win. It was a brilliant finish um, for Bally Bowden and they've turned it around big time because I think you might remember us commenting on this in one of the earlier rounds in the round robin. Kilmacook Croke scored four goals against them, 4-18 to 16 points. Now Bally Bowden are back in the final. Um, their manager was commenting on that uh, Joe Fortune, and he says we saw uh, people saw where we were at that stage. His full back line were torn apart that day. He said, and he even said that people laughed in the stand at stages during the Kilmacud game. And then he was asked, did he hear them? And he says, I think everybody heard them to be honest. So Ballyboden St. Then is one of the big teams. Kilmacud Crokes are as well, by the way. But for the manager to be on the sideline hearing giggling 
in the stand behind him. Well, we're talking about motivation. So you have supporters not getting in. You've getting beaten in the final last year. Well, here's another one, uh, Connor. Fellas giggling at you in the stand. Well, there's your motivation. That's that's speeches for the rest of the year um, written already. I don't think there's any more effective motivation. There's <laughs> no. laughing at you in the stands, Willie. Yeah, geez. Uh, and they did. They took a right. They took a right uh, beating off off Kilmacud at the start. Now, they just seem to be kind of gradually getting better since. Now, by all accounts, yesterday, or by all accounts at the weekend, it was not uh, It was not pretty at all. I, I saw your man Joe Fortune was saying as well that Anthony Daly once told him that semi-finals were only there to be, to be won. And that that's very much the, the mantra that he took after the game yesterday because I think they'd only scored three points in play or something like that before the last 20 and then relied on their, their old dogs for the hard road, uh, Colin Keeney particularly. Uh, I think you mentioned Paul Ryan uh, got the goal and, and Simon Lambert was, was very good too. So listen, listen like that when you're kind of, um, as well as using that motivation, motivational tactic when, when you're winning games and you're not playing well is, an, is another cliche and that seems to be working for, for Bally Bowden as well. So like they, they just just be happy to get through and now a big final against Kula to look forward to as well. So happy out for them. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't want to pick you up on the Anthony Daly semi-finals are for winning because we I remember us trying to figure out what the hell does that mean before on the show. I'm not sure if you were on it because it was like, uh, what game's not for winning? Like a first round not for winning is a, like, I mean, I don't know where this cliche of semi-finals are for winning um, actually came out of. They play Kula in the final, uh, Ballyboden do, and this was almost a carbon copy um, Luke and Sarsus were 7-5 up at halftime and Kula outscored them 1-6 to a pint in the last 10 minutes a Sean Moran goal which he has a habit of doing I think he's playing wing forward for Kula um, now which is a change of position he was definitely lined up um, there on the match report um, that I read 1-6 to a pint so it's Kula versus Belly Bowden um, in the final there the games on Saturday night in Tyrone um, Dungannon surprised everybody this is their first ever or their first uh, final since 1986 and I think it's the 60s since they actually won it this is an incredible statistic that it's their third extra time win on the trot like I mean we know that Tyrone club football is the most competitive uh, championship in the country I don't think anyone would disagree with that in that there's all the teams I don't know how they've done it they're all so evenly matched it's almost like the 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 NFL where you're allowed you know you're allowed some draft pick to keep all the weaker teams uh, stronger but for a team like Dungannon to surprise their way three extra time wins on the trot like I mean that's incredible belief for a team that's coming from nowhere and haven't been in a final since 86 their manager Chris Rafford he was talking afterwards he says it's not about panic and under pressure about being composed we talk to them about that and they absorb everything they're young they're fit they work hard on their conditioning. They're conscientious. And I thought they were su- superb in their temperament as much as their performance. Because the one thing about this is if if a team, if, if, if a game goes to extra time and a team scores a goal in extra time, I, w- I would love to go back through the history of extra time games and say that 95% of the team that gets a goal in extra time will win it. Yeah, and that, that's why you often see teams winning big when, when games go to extra time. Especially like... Especially if you, if one team gets a goal in the first half of extra time, it absolutely sucks the life out of a team who, yeah. who are, you know, they're cramping up, they're tired, they're given so much to be, to be so close up to that point, and then just like a goal will just knock the wind out of them completely, and you'll often find that they might concede another goal afterwards, and sometimes lose by ten points or something like that. So yeah. for for Dungannon to do it after uh, Chris McGinley, I think got the goal and a lovely goal he got. Um, I think it was on the uh, just in first half injury time uh, on Saturday night. Uh, that that could have easily just kind of knocked the life out of out of Dungannon. But the amount of belief that you get from having come through 
uh, three of those, three of those in the row. Do you know what I mean? It's just, uh, I don't know where they're getting the energy in the legs. And right, you're probably going to mention it, but the manner in which they won it, uh, as well with the, uh, I call it, the, your, the, your man's name escapes me, that the cornerback kicking the 45. Yeah, Kieran Barker. Kieran Barker, nearly last kick of the game. And I wouldn't mind, but like his 45 had yards to spare. Do you know, like you'd, you'd, you'd be impressed with somebody kicking that, you know, 10 minutes into the first half, never mind at the end of, uh, of extra time. So, but again, Willie, what about the Tyrone cha- Championship delivering the goods? Uh, do you know, I don't know, was it you that said that either expecting a couple of drab encounters when they were first on TV there last weekend? But uh, the, the, the quality and the, the quality of the games and the quality of the, the drama and the entertainment has been unbelievable. So I'm sure that RT or TG Gar will be looking to snap up that uh, county final when it's on in two weeks' time. Yeah, no, it definitely was. Like, I mean, you'd fancy Trillick in the, in the final. Collie Holmes is training um, uh, Dungannon. The, he was with a good few underage teams. You might remember him. You, w- you would remember yeah. him. He's more kind of a utility player for Tyrone. Nothing special, but kind of a bit of a stalwart to come and do a job for them no matter what way, um, when they needed it. Paul Donahue, we, we talked about him um, last Thursday, moved from Eden Dork. Um, just down the road to Dungannon he scored eight his three points from play were sensational like I mean he got one from the outside of the right from 50 metres and he got one from outside on the outside of his left from a tight angle way out in the left hand side like I practiced my my left foot a lot and got it I got it pretty good to be able to clip scores over um, off the inside of my boot but I could never I never actually practiced the outside I just went look I'm too long in the tooth now I'm never going to need this I'm not a scorer I'm not a showboater I'm not going, even going to try I just needed to be able to clip them over on the run I can't tell you how skillful it is to be able to score the two points that he got off the outside of both of his right and his left foot the outside of the left one uh, was a sweet strike, as I think it, like it never rarely deviated from its path. It was aimed at the nearly out in the sideline, aimed at the black spot, and just arrowed over. It was unbelievable. So good, in fact, that uh, just watching Ushin McConville in commentary, he had a he had a, a gasp, an involuntary gasp. He thought it was that good. And then, yeah, you say the the other one was kind of a the one from the outside of the right was a bit of a floater from um from yeah. fifty yards. But uh, when you mentioned that, the, like we talked about Paul Donahue last week. You mentioned the draft there. I wonder was that how um is that how uh, Dungannon got him from Eaton Dork because uh, it's a it's a massive loss. Otherwise, I think he got he scored eight points. I think in the end, yeah, uh, just like just looked like such such a classy footballer. So uh, hopefully they'll be on again. Hopefully, like as I said, hopefully TV gets one of the TV stations get that county final because uh, I think Paul Donnie might be in. He might turn into a, a Tony Brosnan and a Desi Hutchinson and a, a GAR stalwart if he keeps. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Even though we're 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 not in favour of what he did here now, we're not in favour. I'm not against the club transfer, but I'm against the club transfer down to your your arch rivals. This just uh, yeah. that's just doesn't sit well. Doesn't sit well with me. But look, I like Paul Donahue as a player. I'm not going to lie. Um, Trillick won as well. They'll be favourites for the final, like I mentioned. Jeez, a feature of this game, right? Plunker Kane scored an absolute screamer. And then not long long after that, Trillick replied with Liam Gray. What's Plunker Kane and Liam Gray? Two midfielders. What were the two goals? Coming late onto the play with a pop hand pass. And there's one thing about midfielders when they score goals. They roofed him. They buried him. And like, I mean, yeah. you know, you're thinking of Jack O'Shea. You're thinking of Kieran Whelan for Dublin. I love that. It's a traditional part of me that loves a midfielder bombing down the middle timing his run right and getting that pop pass and you know the minute he runs onto that this lad's cracking for goal here this 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 could rattle the net it's it's a beautiful thing to see it's kind of it's, it's gone out of the intercounty game to a certain degree i'd it say is. you mentioned a couple of names there and i would say that like the um 
early to mid 2000s was like the was like the peak of the the midfielder bursting on to get a goal so I'm thinking of one of my favorites was uh Kieran McManus for Offaly oh uh, he could do it yeah I used to get loads of spectacular goals Owen Brosnan especially when he just started off with great Perry example and- yeah yeah and the other one I had was uh with Eamon O'Hara from from Sligo who was uh who made a habit of as well and got a couple of big goals, one in a kind of final against Galway as well. Just just timed the run to perfection. Do you know that they're bursting on, they've made the burst from midfield, they get the ball around the, could be around 40 yards, 30 yards from goal. And then they not only do they roof it, they shoot from about 14. You know, yeah. they, they don't bring it into the ladies' tee. They don't, you know, there's no huge, like, subtle finish or anything like that. It's Stevie McDonald that's put the head down and absolutely rattle it to the to the corner or the roof of the net. But uh, but what about what about Funka Kane? I, I had to look at, like, it was only um, it was only when I was looking up afterwards that he's thirty five years old. I couldn't yeah. believe it. Yeah, he played really well. Look, there's no doubt. There's life in the Plunkett. Uh, there's life in Plunkett still. The game on the game on TV yesterday was the Roscommon semi final. Chis, I don't know. Do people get carried away with a kind of an exciting end? But I saw this game described on different newspapers as pulsating and, you know, excellent. I thought it was desperate stuff altogether. It was terribly low standard football. Terrible kick pass has been given away. No quality forward play. Well, especially from Clonagale, they were desperate. Um, and it wasn't only for Donny Shine, you know, Parry Pierce's would have won it comfortably enough. He scored 1-2 in five minutes to amazingly put Clonagale, um two points up. And they still conspired to lose it. <laughs> like I mean, they allow Pauli Pierce's get three three points at the at the very end. Any decent football that was kicked, Pauli Pierce's kicked it. So the best team won the game. But I wouldn't be writing home about Pauli Pierce's on yesterday's evidence. No, not me either. You mentioned there about like um, how how people get kind of fooled by you know fooled fooled by maybe a good end or something like that. The, like the the one thing I will say about the game was that it was close enough all the way through. And if a game is close enough all the way through, people think, oh, yeah, well, at least it was obviously competitive. But don't, like some people, sometimes people mistake that for quality. You know, and I, I'd agree, like, I, I wouldn't have been blown away by the by the fair on display. I would say that, like, the a lot of the Pierce's good stuff, like, they got a lot of men behind the ball, but a lot of their good stuff came from runners coming from deep. And then it was either them taking the scores themselves or kind of doing that classic loop around to a corner forward. Or I think Niall Carty uh, playing centre forward got a couple of scores off that as well. But like the dailies again, I know we we seem to mention them any time. We mentioned Parik Pierce's, but they seem to have a big impact. And I think Ronan got a couple of big scores and it was Larkin then that got the score at the end. So um, they've got Bridget's in the final. So let's see if um, your man is going to be on that ladder in the in the graveyard in Hyde Park looking at that. <laughs> looking yeah, at that. but, they, but they, they were so poor, some of these... I thought players that when the dailies got on the ball, they looked like they were minors playing under 14 or if, if uh, Ulton Harney got on it, he just looked so much better than there. You know, when you have yeah. club player, club teams that aren't great, the inter-county players look unbelievable. And like Donny Shine coming on scoring one, two. I mean, your man Murray, the wing back, went back on Cahill Lennon and completely snuffed him out. He never got a kick of it. And yeah, they do drop a good few players back behind. And Clonagale's only response to it was either to kick aimless ball into the full forward line early, which never really found its man, or else Cahill Shine used to try and shoot. And he must have kicked three or four wides from the 45 off the outside of his boot, um, trying to do the same thing. So yeah, I was disappointed um, by by the standard of the game. I know it's a one-off game and you know you wouldn't be judging them definitely on that, but mm-hmm. it, it would definitely, I thought, I was very, very disappointed. Two inter-county managers, uh, Liam Cairns, over Clonagale and Pat Flanagan over Parik Pierce's and she's like for the first uh, water break both Pat O'Shea or Pat Flanagan and and Liam Cairns had them in 
like team meetings and Paulie Pierce's went to the to the level of actually got them into a huddle now like I mean I, I don't to labor the water break like I mean we're over that now it's there it's there to stay but there has to be some sort of rule for inter-county where managers will have bigger egos managers will think they can you know fix anything that's going wrong that water break is to walk across pick up your bottle it shouldn't even be for a rest you should pick up your bottle, you should take two swigs out of it, and you should immediately walk back to your position. It's not an excuse for a team talk. It's not even an excuse for players to stand over, take a drink, wait for you know a little while, take another drink. Okay, you'll accept that. But managers should not be allowed down talking nonsense to their players, and especially like Pat Flanagan, getting them, getting them into a bloody huddle. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know what the point is, because well, first of all, I don't know where they get the time, because but it's like that minute that we're talking about, like, that that nearly accounts for everyone having to make their way over to the sideline in the first place. That's their that's the first opportunity anyone's got has got to have a drink. So all you want to do, you just want to get a breather, get some water into you. You don't you're not really in a position to kind of uh, take on too much information as it is. So okay, and how much information are you going to be able to deliver when you get like twenty seconds or thirty seconds in a huddle? So like uh, like I don't know. I, they take a bit of getting used to. Like we played a good few games now, so at this stage it's literally. We, we barely say anything. You go over, you have your you have your drink of water, and by the time you've had your drink of water, you're in a position to get back onto the pitch. And to be honest, you're conscious of getting back out into the pitch, especially if you weren't in possession beforehand. Because as we've seen with that with that famous case in, in Antrim last last um, last week or the week before, I think, if, if it comes from a kick-out, whatever, the, the team that are in possession are going to try and pull one on you and get a fast kick-out away and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know... Uh, hopefully it's an isolated thing and I, I I would like to think it's not to do with the fact that Pat Flanagan and Liam Kern's egos are that big that they feel they have to get them into a huddle but like uh, I uh, no more than yourself I, I don't understand it and, and hopefully that's that's the last we see of it yeah Liam Kearns now I like him but there's definitely an ego could an argument could be made for, for the ego there <laughs> Pat Flanagan listen I think all those inter-county managers have egos like I mean I, I do I, I think a, a lot of people for, often accuse players of having them but I've seen plenty of evidence in my career of managers getting carried away with themselves you know thinking that they're like just because you're I'm, I've no doubt that if I became a manager of a team and we got a few wins I'd be thinking I was fecking whatever Jim oh, Gavin no. going around <laughs> like you're never too old to start thinking to start thinking that you're the great fella or anything like that like I mean especially oh, no. especially if you're that way inclined which I probably would be <laughs> I was about to say it's not limited in the county level uh, Willie plenty of managers of ego too so yeah yeah that's true that's true um Interesting one. So Pat Flanagan, right? Because we obviously know that teams are tugging out in the stands. I don't know if you have any experience of this, but the cameras picked him up. He had the, the, the chart out in front of his squad. He did the team meeting there in front of the stand and they were sitting in the first two or three rows and he had the chart out as he was flipping them over. And I paused it on it and I was going to take a picture, but I feckin' hit the controls anyways and took it off the, the pause. But anyways, I moved to another channel. He had, you know, the usual uh, circled words, buzzwords like belief, control, you know, all this. Uh, we've, we've seen these 101 different times. Anyone got a word now, you know, that, you know, that might, might sum up this group. And then, you know, you'll say some word. Very good. Right. We can work with that. And yeah. somebody else will come out with one. There'll be the same four or five coming out with these same buzzwords that they said two or three years previous for the previous manager. And they're the great fellas and they're thinking and, you know, managers get all enthusiastic about that. But he had a uh, he turned over the chart and then he had this thing, booster ball. And I was wondering what booster ball was. I think it said underneath it, set play. And I want to get to the bottom of that, what the booster ball is for Pierce's. I think it is a set play off the throw-in. 
Um, but I can't right. be 100% sure. But I'm not sure if inter-county, man, I think, I think inter-county are going to have dressing rooms. So I was just trying to think, you know, seeing some of the presentations that inter-county managers might go through, it would be a fairly unique insight for people who haven't seen it before. Like I'll ha- I will say a lot of the nonsense that might be going on before matches that may be slightly unnecessary at times. There'll be more buzzwords except to be pinned to walls this time, Willie, as, as opposed to on a chart. But I don't know why, like, why does Pat Flanagan feel the need to do that before? Would you not do that? Would that not be Ego, something? ego. We've explained this yeah. already, uh, Connor. <laughs> but, yeah, but like, just from a practical point of view, if you have to, if you have to be reinforcing messages like that, you know, 10 minutes before a game that you haven't already done it, done a training or something like that, maybe, maybe he wanted to get spotted, maybe, and maybe our Willie, and maybe he wants this to be, a completely elaborate ploy that will uh, that will draw Bridget into a false sense of security now before the final day. Bridget will think they have it solved after listening to that and after seeing Booster Ball, and they yeah. come up with a completely different approach for the final. But uh, I would have thought that like all that sort of stuff again. It, to be honest, it does sound like it's for show because you shouldn't need to be having to you know show a chart with either tactics or buzzwords or whatever it is. Ten minutes if, if the players don't know what they're doing or they, if they have to be told about work rate ten minutes before a game like that from a chart. Well, then there might be something wrong. Obviously, it worked for them yesterday, but uh, I wouldn't be a huge fan. No, Port Leash were beaten um, in Leash. I was a little bit worried about this last Thursday. Um, it's the fir- it's the third time Port Leash have been beaten since 2007. Well, that should be 2006 because Port Leash weren't beaten in 2007. I was there at that stage. We won it in 2007, I'm fairly sure. So lost to Greg Cullen in 13 and ended up still winning the county title and lost to Strabley in the final. Um, so it's just three losses now in 14 seasons. Disappointing thing is Port Arlington without Colin Murphy, who's their uh, the leash full forward, who'd be their best forward by miles, and Ronan Coffey as well, who'd, who'd be another one of their best players. So that's a little bit disappointing. Port Leash are not firing up front at all. They only scored 1-8 against Ballylinen, who wouldn't be a top team at, at club level. Like They, they would be in maybe a, they've made a county final, but they wouldn't be anywhere near Port Leash's. Um, standard. They only scored one eight against them, and then only scored ten points against Port Harlington, and only four of them were from play. Very yeah. unlike um, Port Leash. I think Graham Brody even ended up in midfield. So um, Port Leash are not out. They have another chance. Um, a, f- a friend of mine, Kevin Fitzpatrick, is over them this year, and they are in transition, but definitely need to get back to the to the drawing board, and uh, they need to turn it around because they easily can. You know, like, I mean, there's no, there should be no panic for Port Leash yet, but they definitely need to click up front um, a little bit because those, uh, those, um, develop very young forward line and they are in transition, but those kind of, those kind of scoring rates would be very un Port Leash like. You've been sounding the alarm bells about Port Leash for a while though, Willie. So, like, I was about to ask you, is this, you know, when you say third defeat in what, 14 seasons, is this just a, is this just another hiccup? Is this just another Grey Cullen in 2013 or Scott uh, No, no, not really. Now, to be honest, no. Ke- Ke- yeah, Kevin took took the job because I thought he, I, he didn't really want it. He's been in for it the last couple of years and nobody wanted it. And it is in transition and people can see that the dominance is going to end at some stage. So you'd have to say fair play to him for taking it over, you know, as, as an ex-player when nobody else wanted it. But it's definitely in and around a time now where Port Leash's scalp is seen as there for the taking in Leash, you know, whereas the fear would have been there for an awful lot of teams for, you know, obviously after winning all those, um, you know, in a row. But I don't think that, and that result against Port Harling definitely isn't going to, isn't going to help that kind of fear factor because it, like that's half the battle Port Leash would have won before they even go out in the field. You know, like, yeah. I mean, that's just the way it was. They were so dominant and so good. 
um, that maybe maybe teams see that maybe see that Portish forward line now, see how young it is, see that the leaders are kind of gone out of it and they're probably saying, um, you know, we can take them here. And uh, un- unfortunately for Port Leach, they didn't get an easy draw. They've St. Joseph's next. And we mentioned St. Joseph's. They've got Joe Higgins and Mick Dempsey, who was over Kilkenny with Brian Cody for so long. They got a pretty poor draw in that loser's uh, draw now. So it's Port Leach or Joseph's, one of the bigger teams, and Joseph's have, aren't exactly one of the bigger teams, but I suppose with that management team uh, this year, a lot would have been expected of them. So that's definitely a huge game. Um, that'll be next weekend. Monaghan semi-finals, a uh, bit of drama um, in these ones. So Bally Bay needed extra time to beat Inneskeen. Inneskeen is Ushi McConville's um, team. This I actually had to stop and actually calculate this. It was 419 to 125. You know when you see that score line and it takes you a second to go, who actually won that game? Did yeah, the 419 yeah. or the 125? But like I mean, this was a this was a, a there were two six to five points up at, at half time and then um in his in a skiing scored one four without reply. Andrew Woods, if you get a chance to put this in, I don't know if it's doing the rounds on Twitter, I was sent it. He scored a goal from midfield. Not like the goal we're talking about um, with Plunkett and the other midfielder Gray, he actually just got the ball in midfield and ran himself the whole way and stuck it into the bottom corner. So it was a brilliant midfielder that inspired Inneskeen, um back into the mix, and they ended up winning it with a great goal in extra time from Shane McGuinness. I saw this goal as well, and this was a, he's centre forward. He came off a breaking ball, long ball into the full forward line, picked up the break. Momentum carried him through, and he buried it low into the net as well. So there's your goal in extra time that, that sends you on, um, sends you on to win the game, Connor. Yeah, that was the killer. I went looking for that Andrew Woods goal on on Twitter, Woolly. I couldn't, um, I couldn't find it. There was no clips doing the rounds, but I did see it described as uh, somebody described it as the greatest goal I have ever witnessed. <laughs> there was another. Uh, there was another. Um, the Irish, there was an Irish Times match report about the game, and they said that um, Andrew Woods they described his performance as majestic. So. Uh, by all accounts, he he had a he had a massive game, but again, that that um, as we said earlier on, just go like goals make the difference. That like you can't you can't really be expecting to concede four. I know three of them were a normal time and win the game, but what a game that sounded like. Do you know, like that was four nineteen. That's twenty three, like forty eight scores or something like that. Um, you know, and like the, I don't know about modern football, whether it be tagged with having the traditional kind of um defensive setup that might that you know a few few counties might have been tired with that but that that's definitely not the case and that seems to be the case for any club football maybe Barr Pierce's and Clonagale that we were just talking about that. yeah uh, but not to be fair yeah we're moving I think we're all mo- we're moving away from all that defensive so I think we actually that's a thing of the past we shouldn't be surprised now that teams you know that that games are higher scoring for two reasons. Teams are not as defensive as they used to be and other attacking teams are much, much better at breaking down any defensive system. That there, There's two reasons for us seeing much more exciting games. Yeah, yeah. But, but all the better. Like, you know, long may it continue, you know, because for a while there was just a copycat culture that like if they, if you saw defensive football in Inter-County, it just permeated its way down to clubs. And the problem was is that like the teams uh, weren't playing at as, as sophisticated a level as Inter-County and weren't kind of it just made it made for it didn't make for great viewing in county level, but it made for worse viewing at club level. Yeah. So like that that tide seems to be turning a very welcome development. And if it give, gives us more games where we're getting four nineteen to, to one twenty five, I mean who doesn't want to see that? Yeah, Bally Bay play uh Scottstown. Scottstown are into their eighth final in a row. They were obviously shocked uh last year by Clon Tibbert, who ended up in the relegation uh uh 
semi-final or whatever. I think they, they won that anyways. They won't be they won't be relegated. So Scotstown are in the final. They'll be Carrick Macross easily. Um, and I'd say they'll be favourites uh, to beat Bally Bay in the final of that. We'll finish up on this one is Kilo. They finally got their appeal. Uh, they went to the DRA and... I'm not going to read out the ruling because it'll be a little bit confusing, but the Longford County Board got it wrong anyways. Uh, they used some rule 4. Point or 6.24C, uh, which was not appropriate. That's the 48-week uh, uh, ban. I think from my reading of it, and I'm not a lawyer, and I only read it quickly because it's boring and I had enough of other stuff to do, is that uh, they, they, there was two rules. Um, there was two rules here. The rule for not for not uh, fulfilling the fixture and then there was the ban and apparently the two rules that they used they didn't one didn't follow on from the other they applied them wrong and they're after uh, successfully appealing the 48 week ban so now they have to play next week I think they're two rounds behind uh, to catch up but it's good news for everybody that that has been sorted out and again not good news for a county board which got this badly badly wrong shocking PR exercise for the, the, the Longford County Board um, you don't have to be a genius to know that a team that doesn't show up uh, to, to a game and has appealed that process that they should not be kicked out for 48 weeks until that appeal has been heard. So due process was not followed and it's been a, it's been an own goal by the Longford County Board. Yeah, well, that's it. And the DRA ruling proved that, Willie, that like we were all, well, I certainly was speculating whether there was more to it than than than, than that, that simply not fulfilling the fixture and getting a 48-week ban. But that the DRA ruling has proved that, that's, that that was literally the charge that was laid against them and that's why they were getting the ban. And it was 16 pages. I flicked through, Willie. The one thing I saw repeatedly was the use of the word draconian. Yeah. Uh, draconian ban. And essentially, what I read of it was that, like, because uh, Kilo Emmett's ended up paying the fine, that then that, that, that the punishment didn't, the 48 week punishment didn't apply. Now, the DRA did say that had they not paid the fine, which they did 10 days later than they were meant to, they said it might have been a different ruling. But listen, I think I think everyone will be. Well, certainly anyone that I've been talking to or any, you know, the, the perception that I have of it, that common sense has absolutely prevailed. And yeah. that, you know, it's a, it's a regrettable period for Longford and that this doesn't look well on them. But listen, the championship is back. Kilo are in it. And hopefully that'll be the last of the, the controversy as far as they're concerned. Yeah. Last one is Zach Tuhi had to wait. Um, he's stuck on 199 um, here. Um, we're waiting for his 200th um, appearance. The Geelong uh, released a video, a lovely little video, and geez, he's a monster of a man. There's no doubt about that, Zach. He's just a, he's a freak. Um, some of his um, catches, some of his kicks, some of his performances, even some of his interviews. So if anyone wants to search that online, um, it's there. Um, so he's stuck on 199. He took a huge hit last weekend. He actually congratulated the fella that hit him and told him he'd buy him a pint afterwards. So finished out the game. They came back and beat the Bulldogs last weekend. And he was interviewed afterwards saying that it was a fair old hit and he, he was going to buy your man a pint that hit him. Uh, but apparently he hurt rib, he hurt his ribs and he couldn't uh, he couldn't play at the weekend. I think Geelong won anyways. So he's stuck on 199 appearances, but it's only a matter of time before he gets he gets to that. That must have been a huge hit. Like, I mean, we've talked about it often, how uh, durable Zach Tui has, has been, how, how big he is, how kind of physically important he is as well. So, so for somebody to, uh, for him to describe it as the hardest hit he's felt in all his time in Australia must have been a big one. But just that, that video, Willie, I, if anyone hasn't seen it, I really advise them to seek it out because not only is it brilliant, it's a brilliant illustration of kind of everything that Zach Tui has done, but you you know you wouldn't want to be too emotional watching it because the 
the con- contributions made by his parents, I thought in particular, and by his wife and his kids were just really, really touching and just show how proud, how proud they are, as, as you've said, how proud people from from Leash are of, of everything that Zach has, Zach has done. So uh, just if you are, I would seek it out, but just be, uh, you know, you, you might want to pretend you're chopping some onions in the in the kitchen if you have to explain why you're uh, why you're crying afterwards. A big softy, Connor. You're a big softy. I didn't I didn't feel one 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 kind of emotional, not even an ounce of emotion did I watch did I feel going, but there's some, obviously something wrong with me. Um there's something wrong with me. You you cry at movies and stuff. I just can't I just I just can't bring myself to get to that to that level. But anyways, listen, I'm talking complete nonsense here now. We'll we'll go here and we'll be back on Thursday and we'll preview next weekend. Like I said, it's all cracking, cranking up now. We're heading towards county final uh, time in most counties. So the show will start ramping up from here on, from here on in. So we'll talk to you then. Good luck. Well, when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So it opened up. We're running the small little fish out there. So we are and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the brakes when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. I let it go, cause I won't see you later, and we're not allowed to talk it out.